0: In the final week of our Ask Away series, you saw this in our sermon bumper video a few minutes ago, Uh, you drive the content of this whole series. So every Easter we do a survey, we ask you a few different questions. One of the areas is a fill in the blank for you to ask us questions, and then we'll turn that into a series. And we've done this for years and years. It's one of uh, our most uh, favorite series, if you can have one of those, people love this, because again, it's all questions that you have. And so we package a series about four, five, six weeks in length. We'll take uh, the majority of those questions, categorize them by theme, and then we'll try to unpack the questions that you have. And let me tell you about, let me say this two ways, the questions that you submit on that annual survey, and then the questions that you just have every day, God's not bothered by that. God's not troubled by that. God's not frustrated at that. I'm a dad, I got two kids, and sometimes they just won't stop asking questions. Come on, parents. And after a while, it's just like, okay, whatever, whatever it is, just yes, just get it, get out of here, you know. But God's not like that. God is not impatient. God actually is proud of your questions because I believe God knows as well as we're learning that questions are what grows us and stretches us and teaches us and molds us. And so we say this a lot around here that great questions can lead to great faith. And that's what this series has done. It's allowed you to ask questions so that your questions can lead you to a great faith. Now, to end this whole series for this year, one of the most asked uh, themes that were submitted this year were questions around eternity. What happens after we die? So today I'm gonna talk to you about heaven and I'm gonna talk to you about hell. I'm gonna talk about eternity today. Before we do that, let me offer a prayer. Thank you, Father, just for your goodness. I sent your spirit here and for that we're grateful. My desire is not to stand on this platform, hold this microphone, and preach to impress anyone. I will fail miserably. My desire is to stand up here, hold this microphone, as a man that is dependent upon the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, and that this sermon, this message that you put in my heart to share as I stand here as a mouthpiece for you, God, that it wouldn't impress people, but it would impact people. The most important question anyone could be asked is where will you spend forever? So show us about eternity. Teach us today, God, and may we have a moment where we can decide where we will spend that forever. The work that you're doing and the work that you will do, we give you all of the glory and all of the honor. We pray all of these things in one name. It's the name of Jesus. And together, let the whole church say amen and amen. And one more time, come on, let's give God high praise. Come on. All right. I'm fired up today. Okay, if you're at a physical location and the seat right in front of you is a blank sermon note card, I encourage you to take that out. Uh, you can take some notes. If, if you want to take notes digitally, uh, feel free to use your smartphone, but maybe you'll turn off the notifications so you, know, you don't get stuck in a group text message. Man, thank God for group text messages. Said no one ever. Come on, right? <laughs> Um, And so you don't get lost on social media and where we're going to go to lunch and all that, which I thought today we should do like hibachi. It's been a minute for hibachi. So if you don't mind uh, getting busy cooking that up, that'd be great. (laughs) Let's take some notes today. Let me give you a working definition here on eternity. And and this definition comes straight from good old Webster, Webster's Dictionary. Um, Webster defines eternity as infinite or unending time. So infinite time or unending time. It's timelessness. It's to infinity and beyond, right? It's this never ending, will never stop. There is no pause in eternity. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. If you could count all of the grains of sand in the world, that would fail in comparison to the length of eternity. Now here's a a fact about eternity. A lot of people get uncomfortable talking about the afterlife. A lot of people get nervous and a little anxious talking about eternity and forever because it's all a bit overwhelming. It's all a little bit, you know, challenging. It can even seem a little confusing. Um, and I think a part of that is because in our culture, and one of the beautiful things of Go Church is her diversity. We have people literally from all over the world that call Go Church home. But especially in the, in the American culture, we have calendars and watches and appointments and start dates and end dates. And so everything that we do is kind of relegated to time. But eternity is not restricted by time. It goes beyond time. So when we think about forever, there's an old psalm that says in 10,000 years, we're just getting started. So eternity can be a little bit overwhelming. Now, again, another truth is at some point we all consider the afterlife, whether we have that conversation externally and we open up about our questions of the afterlife and eternity, or internally we start to contemplate and consider what forever is going to be and where we're going to spend forever. And, and that, that is true for uh, Christians, that's true for skeptics, that's true for atheists. Um, everybody, at some point, you pause to consider what is forever gonna be. So some people believe that they'll be reincarnated. I don't believe that. Um, some people believe that they'll just kind of wither away into nothingness. And some people believe, and this is, this is my hope, that there is a place called heaven. And for those who have faith in Christ Jesus, this world is not our home, but heaven is. Come on. So where, where do those questions come from? Where, where do those thoughts come from? Where does the idea of eternity come from? Uh, it's interesting because the Bible teaches us through Ecclesiastes that it is God who put that inside of the human heart. Here's what the Bible says, that God has made everything beautiful in its time, and he is also what? Let's read this together on three, one, two, three. Set eternity in the human heart. God deposited your curiosity about eternity right into your heart. Why does God do that? Because he hopes that those questions lead you to great faith. Y'all gonna help me today or what? Come on. The Bible goes on and says that even though no one can fathom what God has done, from beginning to end. So our finite minds will never comprehend an infinite God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Come on. He is the beginning and the end. He is from A to Z, right? God is all of it. And so even though we can't fathom everything that God is doing, God in his sovereignty deposits and sets eternity right inside of our heart to draw us to these questions about when I breathe my last breath, when I cease to exist on this planet, when my flesh fails, and my heart stops beating, what happens after that moment? Now again, this is heavy. I mean, we're gonna talk about heaven, we're gonna talk about hell. So before I tell you, hey, you all gonna die. Let's make you laugh. Is that all right? <laughs> Let's lighten the mood and then tell you, OK, at some point you're going to die. Um, you got time for a joke? Sure you do. Come on, you got time for a joke. So a uh, joke about a lady who is uh, working for a company that requires her to travel a lot. And so she's always traveling from different cities. And so the hub of her business is here in Atlanta. And so she's always got to take a flight somewhere. Anybody ever been on an airplane? Come on, show me your hands you've been on an airplane, Germantown. If you're watching online, just put a little airplane emoji in the chat section there. Okay, everybody's been on an airplane, most people. Um, so she gets on this plane and her routine is always the same. Once she gets settled in, she takes her seat, she puts on her seatbelt, and then she grabs her Bible and she begins to read the scripture. And she will read that Bible from takeoff to touchdown. Come on now. Which, by the way, now when you fly, you better take a seat and you better put that seatbelt on. You better wear that mask or they will get you. Come on, <laughs> you know. So this particular flight, her job was requiring her to fly from atlanta to bwi in baltimore come on marylanders shout out right so she's flying to bwi and uh, her routine is the same she gets settled in she takes her seat she fastens her seatbelt, and she pulls out her bible she begins to read and this random passenger sits down right beside her this random ticket holder sits down right beside her and he says with a little frustration he's like do you you really believe that book do you believe that book and she says well yeah of course that he's like you believe everything in that book She's like, I, I believe the whole Bible. And he says, even that story of the guy that got eaten by that fish. And she's like, well, you're talking about Jonah and, and, and the whale. And he didn't get eaten, but he was swallowed. And for three days and three nights, he spent in the belly of this fish. And the guy says, how do you I don't think a guy like that survived for 72 hours? She's like, you know, I don't know. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. And then with a little sarcasm, he says, well, what if he didn't go to heaven? And she says, well, then you can ask him. Come on! That's funny, I don't care who you are. Come on, laugh about hell. (laughs) Uh, How many of you remember the old TV show Seinfeld? Any Seinfeld fans? Come on, like, I mean, remember like when TV shows were good? Like what happened to TV? I mean, now we got like The Bachelor. Come on now, like what's going on? But Seinfeld, old TV show, it's all reruns now, but I'm gonna show you a clip, I'm gonna show you a little video. And I hope this is okay uh but it's of elaine who is now in a relationship with a guy who's a religious man so she finds out that her new boyfriend uh, believes in god because she borrows his car and when she gets in the car she notices that all of the presets on his radio are set to christian rock so elaine goes to jerry and she's beside herself i can't believe it you know he believes in god and then jerry's like well you need to talk to him about it so in this clip you're gonna see elaine confront her new boyfriend on his faith in God, uh, his religion in God. Check out this video. So where do you want to eat? Feels like an Arby's night. Arby's, beef and cheese and do you believe in God? Yes. Oh, so you're pretty religious. I try. So is it a problem that I'm not really religious? Not for me. Why not? I'm not the one going to help. <laughs> well, I they forgot to deliver your paper today. Why don't you uh, just grab that one? But that belongs to Mr. Potato Guy. That's his. Come on, I get it. <laughs> Well, if you want it, you get it. Sorry, thou shalt not steal. <laughs> oh, but it's okay for me. Oh, what do you care? You know where you're going. All right, that is it. I can't live like this. Uh, no. Come on. All right, what did I do? David, I'm going to hell. The worst place in the world. With devils and those, those caves and, and the ragged clothing. you should be trying to save me don't boss me this is why you're going to hell i am not going to hell and if you think i'm going to hell you should care that i'm going to hell even though i am not you stole my jesus fish didn't you yeah that's right come on that's funny right (laughs) okay so let me give you let me give you two absolute truths here um I was making, so just, just for conversation, but as a part of my preparation and, and even as a part of uh, uh, memorization, I make I make my own slides. And so it just kind of helps me as I pray through the message and then to try to memorize the message. And of course, I always wanna be led by the Spirit of God, but I make these slides. So the other day I'm making these slides, I'm sitting on my couch and my son is sitting next to me. He's watching the NBA playoffs and I'm making these slides. And so his curiosity kind of gets the best of them, and he's looking over at the slides that I'm making, and, and I wrote this down. I wrote down two absolute truths, and the first thing I wrote is, we're all going to die. And Lakeland, my son, who's 11, he is like, man, I'd love to go to your church, you know? <laughs> he's like, what a great message, Dad. You're gonna, so, you're going to tell him we're all going to die? And I was like, well, Lakeland, we are. And my son goes, he says, but that's not an absolute truth. And I was like, well, first of all, if you correct me, I will absolutely kill you. Come on, parents. Like, <laughs> So how's that? And he was like, well, what what about when Jesus comes back? I was like, don't come at me with your 11-year-old theology, all right? You're not the pastor. I'm the pastor. But he's right. Now, we believe that Jesus will return. And in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, heaven will open. The trump of God will sound. Those who are in Christ Jesus will be caught up in the air. Come on, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we believe in that. I, I wholeheartedly believe in that. Every single prophetic word in the Bible has come true except for the waiting of the inevitable, re- inevitable return of Jesus. And then, and then he was like, and what about Enoch in the Old Testament? I'm like, bro, like, you were just like your mother, you know? <laughs> and uh, so Enoch in the Old Testament is a guy that walked so close with God that God just, God just took him, took him home. And that's possible as well. However... If Jesus doesn't return in our time line of, of living there will be a moment that we will die that again we will stop breathing and and we will perish and then depending on how well you treated your family and this is why you need to treat them well they will have some kind of memorial service and they will memorialize you funeralize you bury you sing a few songs some, somebody's gonna come up and say something about you you better you better act right come on now and then afterwards, they'll have a uh, reception and have fried chicken and mac and cheese, and that's about it. So, but at some point, we will all breathe our last breath. It's Hebrews 9, verse 27, that says, It has been appointed unto man to die once. So this is true. Nobody will escape the reality of death except for those who are in Christ Jesus and were caught up in the rapture. The other absolute truth is this, is that we'll all spend eternity somewhere this is a fact. Again, regardless of your faith, regardless of what you believe, we will spend eternity somewhere. Now, I believe that the two options on the table here are heaven or hell. And at the end of the day, your eternity depends on a single choice that only you make during your life on earth. And I'm not trying to make a point, like a preaching point to you know, get a get a response or a good amen. But your mama can't save you. Your grandmama can't decide for you. Your spouse can't your your spouse can't be your way into heaven. Um, Your pastor can't make you saved. Like you have to decide where eternity is going to be. Even even if you decide to spend your eternity separated from God, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. You know, point the finger like you, listen to me, you have the control of where you spend your forever. Now, a thought that's connected to this is that if you want to spend eternity in paradise, in heaven, then you have to be able to answer this question about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So just track with me for a moment. The moment that our life on this earth ends, we will stand before God. Now I'm gonna show you a picture, but it's, a, it's just a Google picture. Like I didn't have you know, a, a flight to heaven and take my iPhone with me and take a picture. But when we stand before God, there will be this book. And this book is called the Lamb's Book of Life. And in this book will be the names of those who accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior while they were alive on earth. At this point, at this moment, lean in for a second, listen to me. There are no second chances. There is no more grace. There is no more mercy. That's why every day you wake up is a gift from God. That's why it's called the present. Tweet that. So the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. So the fact that you woke up today is because God has given you an opportunity while you're alive on this earth to make sure that your name upon the confession of your faith that Jesus Christ is your Lord to have your name written in this Lamb's book of life. If you reject that truth and you play your own God and you live your own life and you do your own thing, when you stand before God, your name will not be written in this book. It won't be there. Now what happens to those whose names are not written in the book? Watch this. Psalm 69 says it this way. You will be charged with every crime that you have ever committed. And on top of that crime will be stacks on stacks of your crime. And watch this and you will not be allowed to share in everyone else's salvation. Again, you can't ride the coattails of somebody else's salvation to get into heaven. Does that make sense? And watch this. And the Bible says that your name will be blotted out of the book of life and will not be listed with the righteous. Revelation says it this way, watch. Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake fire I don't know what other churches are teaching and preaching on today it's not my place to know what series they're in or conversation they're having but I feel like at least at go church and I have to take responsibility of this we don't talk enough about heaven and we surely don't talk enough about hell and yet, that is the most important decision you'll ever make is where you will spend your forever where you will spend your eternity so I want to talk about heaven But first, I want you to know a little bit about hell. Hell is a place, and all of these bullet points, by the way, are just found in your Bible. Hell is a place where there will be what is called the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. In hell, there will be unimaginable loneliness. In hell, there will be complete separation from God. And again, I I don't want to make a statement that's catchy or comes across a a little bit sideways but some of you have experienced hell on earth but even the hell that you've been through on this earth will fail in the comparison to the reality of hell if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior imagine the pain that you've been through on this earth while the sovereignty of God is still available but in hell there will be complete separation from God from his holiness from his grace From his goodness, there is never-ending regret. There is unending torment, and there will be eternal fire. Now, I've been a pastor for for 20-plus years now, and I would say about a 1,000 times, and that's a pretty accurate guess, in 20 years I have been asked this question right here. So why would a loving God send people to hell? If I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me that question, well, I guess I'd have about a thousand dollars. Typing up this uh, presentation on my laptop, again, Lakeland, my son's sitting there, and he was asking all kinds of questions about heaven and hell, and so I asked him a question. I said, so why would God, who loves the whole world, send people to hell? And my 11-year-old son, he said, he said, Dad, God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go to hell. You know how he knows that? Because we live by the promise of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that God gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not, what? But have, what? Eternal life, everlasting life. Right? So God, and you need to know this, um, I am debunking the argument or the myth that God will send people to hell. It is not the will of the Father or the heart of the Father that any man should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Do you see that? So God doesn't send people to hell. Those who are in hell now, and those who will be in hell in the future are there by their own choice. They decided to reject God while alive on this earth. And so now they will be separated from God forever. But God made a way. Um, A a fantastic pastor, Dr. Mark Walker, who pastored the uh, the Mount Perron North Church on the north side of Atlanta for over 20 years, he is now the new president of Lee University, which is uh, my, my alma mater. It's where I met Kimberly. It's where I got my bachelor's degree and she got her MRS degree. Come on, somebody. He's the president of that college. Someone, it'll, at lunch, when you eat eating hibachi, it'll hit you. You're like, oh, yeah. He's the president of the college now. When he was pastoring, he was asked this question repeatedly Why would a loving God send people to hell? And I want you to see his response in one of his articles, in one of his writings. He repositioned the question, and he said, this is not the right question to ask. He said, a better question to ask would be this. Why would a loving God force someone to spend their eternity with him since they didn't want to spend their life on earth with him? So people say... So why would a loving God send people to hell? And a better question is, why would a God who loves us force you to spend your forever with him when you refuse to spend your life on earth with him? Max Licado, did everybody get this? You took a picture of it or you wrote it down? I wanna give you another quote. Max Licado, a great author, uh, he tells us this. He says, thanks to Christ. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Come on. He says, thanks to Christ, earth can be the nearest you'll come to hell. But apart from Christ, earth is the nearest you'll come to heaven. Man, I hope the weight of those two thoughts just kind of sting just a little bit to get you to a point of reflection and personal assessment here. Only you can decide. And when we die, and we will all die, and we will stand before God, again, in that moment, there are no redos, there is no rewind there is no replay you've got your whole life on earth and I don't know how long that's gonna be and I I dare not put a timeline I don't know how old you think is old I mean I remember when I was a kid and I thought if somebody told me they were like 40 or 50 I thought wow and now I'm in there and I'm like man 40 is well it's it's the new 40 but still like I mean Kimberly's grandfather is 91 years old and still pastors a church and I love that, but 91, I mean, that's got, that's got some experience. That's got some wisdom. And I've told the Lord, I don't know how long I'm going to be alive. I have no idea. I mean, I, I could live to be 91 years old, and if that's God's plan for me, I'm cool with that as long as I'm in my right mind. Like, I just, I, if I'm alive, I just want to be in my right mind, you know? Or God could take me home this week. I mean, in the moment. Like, I mean, I could be, I don't know. So I can't delay my decision to get right with God thinking that I'm promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. The only moment that I'm promised is the moment that I have a right here right now. I told you this story a few months ago. I had a fence installed in my yard. A guy shows up to put a fence in. His name's David. I walk out there because, like, you know, any man's going to tell the guy how to put the fence in, right? Like, hey, man, like... What are you doing with them posts there you know and and he <laughs> some of you're thinking about your husband or your your dad you know so we just strike up a conversation he's like man and you know my car is very noticeable it's all you know just uh wrapped and go church it's the greatest accountability partner in my life yeah. i can't cut anybody off and if i've cut you off i'm sorry i apologize i mean you were going too fast anyway but still like it is so he sees my car and he's like, "So, you know, do you work at the church?" I was like, "Yeah." I said, "I'm, I'm on staff there." And, you know, he's like, "Well, what do you do?" And I was like, "Well, not much. Kind <laughs> of tell people what to do." And so I told him I was the pastor. And man, immediately he's like, "Man, he's like, I am, I'm off." He's like, "I'm in a funk," and he said, like, "It's been years." So I haven't gone to church. And He's like, "My last wife cheated on me," and then the other guy, the guy that was working with him, he's like, "My wife just cheated on me." He's like, we had six kids together. I caught it with my best friend. And I said, what'd you do? He's like, I spent the night in jail. That's what I did. That's what he told me. me. I was like, man up. Squalet, bro. Do what you do, man. So we're standing there, and David and Jesse, that's their name, David and Jesse. I said, can I pray for you guys? Yeah, you pray for me. And these these are like men, like in the yard, sweating, lumber. Nail gun, hammers, I'm praying for him in my yard. Uh, they load up the truck, they leave. Kimberly comes home, she runs inside. She's like, he's laying in the, in the yard. I'm like, who? She's like, the guy that put in the fence. I was like, tell me to get up. <laughs> this ain't the Motel 6, bro, you got to go. She's like, he's hurt. I go out, David, who I had prayed for five minutes ago, had a heart attack in my front yard. Lifeless heart attack. <laughs> now, Thanks be to God, he recovered. And after he recovered, he's come back over to the house and we stood in the exact spot where his life almost stopped existing and we had a moment together. He was crying, He's like, man. I was like, you are not promised tomorrow, man. And I was like, but if you're gonna have a heart attack, to have one in a pastor's yard, it's not a bad place. Like, I mean, if you're gonna choose. You, you probably would have chosen the hospital, right? But like, we don't know. We don't know. So when we stand before God again, we don't get to go backward. In that moment, our our fate is sealed. And our name is either written in ink or we have been blotted out from this book. And listen to me. You can't stand there and say, well, I'm a good person. I want you to hear me. I love you enough to tell you this. None of y'all, myself included, are good. How do you define good? You know what we deserve? We deserve death. For the wages of our sin is death. We're not good people. Now, we may do some good things, but we were born sinners. And listen to me. You may have the greatest person in your family that they did all the good stuff, and you can define that however. If they didn't know Jesus, if they didn't accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will not go to heaven. So if you want your name to be written in this book of life, Acts says it this way, that there is salvation in no one else. For God has given no other name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The only way that we can be saved is through the precious blood of Jesus. Come on. And we talked about the blood last week. Mama can't save you, grandmama can't save you, Buddha can't save you, Allah can't save you, science can't save you, the government ain't gonna save you. Only Jesus only the applied blood of Jesus. And if you have salvation, if in this life you made a decision to repent of your sins, to put Christ at the throne of your heart, to move away from the things of this world, in Matthew 6:33 to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You've repented, you've asked Jesus. The Bible says that when you do that, you become a new person, a new creation, come on old things have gone they've left you're a new person right then then your name is in this book is in this book now here's a question that i get often sorry about that i get this question so once i'm saved am i always saved so this is this theology this once saved always saved theology others call it eternal security that once you get saved then you're always saved you can never lose that salvation let me give you a little analogy here, and I'll, I'll shift the focus because the focus shouldn't be once I'm saved, I'm always saved. The focus should be once I'm saved, I'm now a forever follower of Jesus. Amen. So once I come into a relationship with God, it's not, OK, well, I'm in a relationship with you now. Just you know I love you, and I know you love me, and we're good, right? No, now it is a, now it is a committed relationship. Every day, drawing closer to God and God coming closer to you. Does that make sense? So now I am a forever follower. It's like my relationship with Kimberly. Um, This fall, we're going to be married 17 years, and Kimberly loves me, and I love her. And I'm going to prove to you how much I love her because this morning, right before church, she dropped something on my sports coat, and now I have to twin with two other guys on staff here (laughs) all day. I got to look like them. And in that moment, I was a little frustrated. She was like, you all right? I'm like, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all right. I'm fine. She's like, well, I'll run. <laughs> and come on, every lady in the room who's married, tell me if this isn't just like most men. We over exaggerate everything. She's like, well, let me run home. I'll get you something else. I was like, I don't have any other clothes. The only clothes I own are the clothes on this body. I got nothing. You've ruined it all. And she's like, and Kimberly, God bless her. Don't you love the first lady? She calls me Jake. It's a term of endearment. She goes, Jake, you are ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) And we're married. We love each other. The day that we got married, I didn't say to her, now, I love you. And if I ever change my mind, I'll tell you. For 17 years, I have said, Once I'm connected to you, I will forever be connected to you. And I'm going to love you. In the good times and the bad, until death do us part, I am a faithful, committed husband to you. Now, this isn't going to happen, but a lot of marriages end in divorce. And people will spend tens of thousands of dollars on that wedding ceremony. Ain't no telling how much money your daddy spent on that day. All to get a few pictures of me. That was crazy, by the way. It's like, oh, you want another picture of me? Okay, fine. Because it's all, it's all about the guys, right? No. Man, your dad spent tens of millions of dollars, you know? I'm just kidding, by the way. But nobody ever, when somebody gets a divorce, they think, yeah, but they had a beautiful wedding. I mean, I know he cheated on her repeatedly, but man, that wedding, wow. Listen to me, and I'll do air quotes, we got a lot of Christians that are all ceremony, but no marriage. Well, I said it, <laughs> so we're all ceremony. I got saved, I got saved, I had, that, had that ceremony, then act like it, live like it. Now be a forever follower. It's not just about the ceremony, baby, it's about the marriage, come on now. So for those who are in Christ Jesus, whose names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Apostle Paul says that the moment that we cease to exist on this earth, that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, come on. So for those whose names are written down, we wake up in the arms of Jesus. And I don't have time to unpack the new heaven and the new earth, but just follow with me for a moment. We'll have, we've got a, hopefully a lifetime of discussions here if the Lord tarries and graces us with with days in front of us to talk about the new heaven and the new earth, but we get paradise. We get heaven. We get the hope of heaven. The moment that we fall asleep in the Bible, all throughout scripture, likens death of the death of a servant of the Lord as to one who is just going to sleep. So we go to sleep in this present life, And when we wake up, we wake up in heaven, in the arms of God, face to face with God Almighty, face to face with His holiness and His goodness and His sovereignty. And that is my hope. My hope is not in the things of this world, come on. My hope is in the things of heaven. My hope is that one day when I stand before God, He'll read my name. And I'm cool if He calls me Jake. Just let me in, come on. And he says to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on into paradise where the seas are made of crystal, where the streets are made of gold. I've got a mansion just for you. Come on somebody. And I can imagine in my mind's eye, when I get to heaven, I've got this mansion there and it's a big old Georgia bulldog flag waving in the front yard. Cause it's probably the only place they will ever be a national champion. Lord, touch them bulldogs. We're going to get to heaven. Heaven, let me tell you a few facts about heaven here. In heaven, you're not going to miss your old life here. You're not going to miss this life. Think about it like this. You raised your hand earlier on who's been on an airplane. Who has ever been on an airplane and you were randomly selected to be bumped to first class? Come on, a few of us. It doesn't happen to everybody. Keep your hands up. Tell them, favor ain't fair. Go ahead, tell them. That happened to me one time. One time I was flying and I got bumped from the economy class with the poor folk. <laughs> Disgusting people. And when they bumped me, they said, Mr. Worley, have you been bumped to first class? I was like, thank the Lord good. Come on now. Oh my God, is that me? I mean, I walked in, they set me down. I have my own station. My seat fully reclined. When I sat down, the flight attendant came with a warm hand towel. And you know what I thought? I deserve this. (laughs) This is my life. She brought me, y'all, only if you've ever been first class, you know. They brought me warmed cashews that melted in my mouth. I rang the little bell, and she said, she knew my name when I got on the plane, Mr. Worley. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm a little cold. She's like, let me take care of that. And I thought, if she lays down beside me, this is gonna be wild, y'all. Like, what kind of a flight? What kind of airline? My Lord. She brought me a blanket. I still have that blanket. Sometimes when I'm in economy, I'll just pull it out. I remember the days. You know, she brought me drinks, and, and non-alcoholic, and she brought me drinks. And, and then I had that blanket on, and it got hot. So I ran, I was like, I'm a little hot. She was like, let me help. She started fanning me. I was like, do you have grapes? <laughs> Listen, when I fly, I fly Southwest, all right? And I fly the one at getaway price. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like the $8.99. You can just get in the cargo with the chickens to Cancun. Like that's where I'm at, you know? Like $8.99. I was in first class. And let me tell you, this is a true story. The whole time that I was in first class, I never one time in my mind thought, I miss economy. (laughs) I miss being sandwiched between random people. They smell. Three weeks ago, I was on a flight with a guy who had never flown before. He was like 28 years old. And in order to cope with his anxiety, the dude was wasted drunk. Drunk people are hilarious, especially sitting next to a pastor. I never thought, man, I miss the random drunk guy. The same is true about heaven. When you get to heaven, you're gonna be like, man, I miss that polarizing presidential election. It's not like that. This is rhetorical. What matters most in your life? Family. I think that would be a general statement family so people think when I get to heaven I'm not, I'm not gonna know anybody we're just gonna be like first of all you're not gonna be an angel okay you're not gonna be an angel and some of you some of you looked at your spouse you like I told you <laughs> I knew that I'm just glad somebody else said it you ain't an angel now you'll never be an angel you don't drop something on my sports coat this is so therapeutic you're not gonna be floating on a cloud You don't get a bunch of hoverboards, you're just floating around, hello. But people think that. Listen, what matters, family, here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13. For now, right now, in this earthly life, this physical realm, we only see a reflection. That's like a mirror, we just get a glimpse. But then, what is then? But then when we stand before God, our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we enter into paradise, we enter into the new heaven, we enter into heaven, come on, we shall see what? face to face. Now, now, I only know in part, but then, when is then, right? After we leave this earth, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. Can I tell you that some of you have lost family members that have died, gone before you there in heaven. When you get there, you will be reunited. You will know them and they will know you. That's heaven. I can't wait to get up there and see my dad. All of my grandparents are in heaven. I can't wait for that. But there's gonna come a moment where I'm like, man, I love all y'all, but I don't wanna see Jesus. Give me to Jesus. What matters in life, family? And this is gonna sound funny, but this question was submitted repeatedly on that survey. What about my pets? Man, pets are, pets are a big part of us. Some of y'all wonder: like, is You know, is Buddy going to get to heaven? Is Bandit going to make it to heaven? And it's a big deal. And when you lose a pet, it's like you lose a part of your soul. Come on, somebody just help me out. Like, you know. And I'm just going to tell you, I think think that there will be animals in heaven. And I'm going to regret saying this, but I even think that cats will be (laughs) a different part of heaven. But they'll be there. Ain't no attitude with them. They'll want to get all like sassy on you, but it's like, it's heaven. They're like, will not you go there with me, the little cat? <laughs> what? God loves animals. Go back to Genesis. God created every living creature that moves and God saw that it was good. And when God created Adam and Eve, He gave them dominion over the earth. He told Adam to name every living creature. He told them to be fruitful and multiply and take care of the garden. Isaiah, when Isaiah was prophesying about this new heaven, watch what he says. He says, the wolf is going to dwell with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little kid's going to lead them all. That ain't here. That's only in heaven. Right? Uh, the Bible talks about that when Jesus returns, he's going to return on a white horse. So I, just think that, I just feel like there's going to be animals in heaven. So the point of all of this is that You know, when you get to heaven, like, and you don't have to worry about all of the uncertainties of being known and knowing people and all of that. That world is far more real than this world. You got three more minutes? Come on, you got three more minutes? Watch this. You're never gonna be bored. A guy told me one time, he was like, well, I don't know why he sounded that way. It just felt right. He was like, well, I'd rather party in hell than be bored in heaven. What I wanted to say was, man, don't be an idiot right now. Hell is not a party. Hell is not a party. Come on. Heaven is the party. If it, what I wanted to say was don't be an idiot. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. The Bible says that in heaven there's going to be partying. There's going to be banquets. There's going to be karaoke. But I'm telling you right now, I will win American Idol in heaven. I will win heaven idol. Give me some karaoke. Where are my karaoke people? You love a good karaoke. Watch this, there's gonna be celebrations and food and feast at the marriage supper of the lamb. Chick-fil-A will be served, come on somebody. God's chicken, this is happening. Think about, I'm running out of time, think about the best meal you've ever eaten. Is it your grandmother's home cooking or your mama's special recipe? some of you traveled the world, man, international, you've eaten all over. I love to try new foods from outside of America. American food is, yeah. Cultural food, though? Come on, man. Give me some good Indian food. That's what I'm talking about. Give me some curry chicken. Can I get a witness from anybody that wants lunch or dinner right now? What's the best meal you've ever eaten? You got it in your mind? Now think about this. Every meal that you've ever tasted has been prepared by the hands of a sinner. Everything in this earth is tainted. Everything has been manipulated. All of it. Most of what we eat is chemicals and artificial. But in heaven, that's when you're really going to eat. Because everything is pure and righteous. It's a party. How do I know this? Psalm says it this way. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with all, somebody shout joy. You fill me joy in your presence with what? Eternal pleasures at your right hand. And then the final one is this, and I'm going to pray for you. There will be no more in heaven. Take a photo or write this down because I'm gonna show you the screen here. Ready? In heaven, there will be no more. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more cancer. In heaven, there'll be no more sickness or temptation or grief or regret. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, no wrinkles in heaven. You won't need Botox in heaven, baby. Come on now. No calories, no politics, no funerals, no racism in heaven. The Bible talks about that from every nation, tribe, and tongue will be representatives in heaven. There'll be no sadness, no traffic, thank God. No anger, no unemployment, no foul language, no COVID-19. Nobody's gaining one pound in your glorified body. There'll be no death. There'll be no Facebook drama. There'll be no mortgage payments or rent due. Yeah. No ambulances, no arguing, no lying, no Amber Alerts, no taxes, no mosquitoes. <laughs> no fear, no anxiety, and no sin. Let me get 200 people that are excited about heaven. Hey, come on. And a big shout out to my 11 year old son who helped me put this list together. Revelation 21:27. There is nothing unclean that will ever enter it, nor anyone who does anything that is detestable or false, but only those whose name are written in the Lamb's book of life. So where will you spend eternity? Heaven or hell? Every head bow, every eye close. Come on. 45 seconds to determine your eternal destination. Where will you spend eternity?